Welcome to Mad Lit Musings, a podcast with Jamie Jo Wright, where we go deeper and ask the tough and dangerous questions. Today's episode is sponsored by Ravel and Bethany House Publishers, which are divisions of Baker Publishing Group. Find out more at bakerpublishinggroup.com. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Mad Lit Musings. Today, I have one of my most favorite people on the planet joining the podcast. Her name is Natalie Walters. And if you have not met her yet, you are missing out. Hi, Natalie. Hi, Jamie Jo. <laughs> Natalie and I spend um, way too much time sending each other Marco Polos and texts and all kinds of stuff. And I'm notorious for what, you know, listening to the Marco Polos about seven days after they've been sent <laughs> or but. sending me gifs of like crazy yes. which did you know like i officially learned that it's gif not gif because is it it is like it's official like i have officially gotten that like okay firm because the gentleman who created them passed away recently oh. and it was announced like this is the this is like the correct way to pronounce it's with us. It's with a soft G sound, so it's gifs like peanut butter. Okay. So gif, gif like peanut butter, right? Now your listeners know. Well, you and I are like the queens of entire conversations with only gifs. Yes, yes. yes. I mean, it's a talent. It I is. don't think people understand no. like the amount of like searching and researching to make sure that the gif you send accurately reflects your thoughts. Right. And, and it's not just the word that's being portrayed in the GIF. It's also the facial expression mm -hmm. of the character or whoever is in the GIF, et cetera. So that is another podcast for another day where we'll be having Natalie Walters guest star on how to create text strings out of GIFs alone. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> okay. So Natalie, for those poor, poor, solitary readers in the world who have not yet read your books or heard of you. Tell us a little bit about what you write. When you said that, my thought process went straight to like Ursula from The Little Mermaid and like <laughs> poor unfortunate Fortunate souls. souls. <laughs> yeah. So for the poor unfortunate souls who may or may not have heard of me or read my books <laughs> yet, um, I am the author of uh, now five romantic suspense books. The fifth one's coming out, but the first one was the Harvard Secret Series. Mm -hmm. And um, that takes place in a small town, Walton, Georgia. And then I have a new series out, the Snap Agency series, which is a more clandestine, global, international, espionage, political thriller type series um, that happens in Washington, D.C. with a fictional agency group. And that uh, Lights Out is the first book in that series. But I do have a novella prequel that is available on that one, too, called Initium. And then book two in that series, Fatal Code, releases uh, May 3rd this year. Awesome. Awesome. And can I just say, I was thinking about this. I love the fact that you're writing like kind of a international espionage thriller slash yada, yada. And you're a woman. <laughs> so I mean, <laughs> I mean, well, you know, I'm not like one of those, Ooh, women rule. I mean, we are pretty cool, but I, mm -hmm. I also think guys are cool too. So I'm okay with equality there, but I, you know, usually you see those, these types of thriller, um, super smart, genius stories coming from the pen of a guy. And this is from the pen of a woman who I know will deny this, but is super smart. 
uh, yeah. See, I took yeah, the words out of I your mean, mouth. I just feel like I have a really active imagination and but I think I I personally love those political thrillers, those espionage type stories. And so for me, those excite me. And so I feel yeah. like it's exciting to write those. And I'm always, and maybe I'm a little bit of a conspiracy theorist, or I like to think of like, okay, did that, like, what else could happen? Like, could this really happen? And so it's fun for me to let my imagination kind of like let go and be like, okay, well, what if this was actually like the reason why that happened or whatever. Right. I mean, you know, yeah. I shared something like that with my husband the other day and he was like, oh yeah, maybe keep that to yourself. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, well, you know. Don't put that in a book now. That's right. <laughs> because the snap agency, which doesn't really exist except in your books, mm -hmm. will come hunt you down. That's very true. It's very, very true. true. Okay. So the book that's coming out in May is called Fatal Code. It is book two. Yes. However, from what I understand and have read, you could read these as standalones, correct? Yes. Yes, you could. So each book is an individual character from the, from the agency. So you could technically pick up Fatal Code and read it. There will be some crossover information, not a lot. So it'll be, it'll be pretty subtle um, what you read, but you'll know that, okay, something else happened in the previous story that would connect to this. But right, for the most right. part, they're each individual plots and individual characters. Right. And I love the fact that you have a really diverse cast of characters. Yes. Yeah. Well, I, you know, I think for me, uh, you know, we're military families, so we have a diverse cast of friends. We have mm -hmm. friends from all walks of life, all countries. Um, and so it's been fun to kind of um, engage some of those experiences with those friends into my stories. And so in fact, I, I have a, um, a little like behind the scenes where I was talking about like, uh, even though it's fictional, there are nonfiction pieces that I put into each story mm -hmm. that come from my life. And so I was able to kind of explain like, this is who this character was kind of like, you know, named after this is who this character kind of was. And I think that's always the best part is kind of being able to put in friends and family, like their characteristics into stories. So. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. A hundred percent. So, okay. So this story is basically has some backstory around it. it. The backstory is in 1964, the scientists, these, this group of scientists almost finished a nuclear energy project. Am yes. I correct? Okay. Yes. And then it got disbanded. And so basically the project was never completely finished. Right. Okay. And so in this story, Eleanor is the granddaughter and she's an aerospace engineer. I know. Talk about writing what you don't know. <laughs> that is what I do. Like I, my husband, even after I got done with this, he's like, how about next time write something, you know? Yeah. And I was like, yeah. I think my next lead character is like, you know, cleans houses for a living. <laughs> well, I had to have a character who would have her hands in current projects that would have something to do with it. And I mean, if her grandfather is a nuclear physicist, how could she not be, I mean, how could well, she be? <laughs> right. But then you just double whammied yourself when you have her get wrapped up with a Navy cryptologist, Keikoa Young. <laughs> yeah. I told you the story was like, write what you don't know. They always tell you, write what you know. And I was like, let me, let me bend that truth and see if I can make it work. Assuming, hard. assuming at the end of this book, they get together romantically. Can you only imagine what their children are going to be like? 
Oh my gosh. Okay. Can we just, let's just, let's just play like a little advocacy here. What if their kids are just like, yeah, no mom, I'm totally going to be like this. I don't know. What, what could they be? Like, they're like, like I'm going to go be a park or something. Yeah. I'm going to go be a park ranger. Not that there's anything like, I think like, that, right. like there's, but I'm, th- I'm saying that like, okay. Like they're like, mm-hmm. no science is not my thing. Math is not my thing, mom. I want to be an artist or I want to be. So like their kids would probably be like, whatever their other side of their brain was like, not right. Right. Just, to, just to cause like Keikoa and Eleanor like issues. Like, Oh my gosh, can you believe? <laughs> <laughs> and I love uh, Keikoa. He brings in some of your Hawaiian roots. Yeah. Um, I know you've lived in Hawaii and have ties there. Yes. Yeah. My husband is Hawaiian. So it was really fun to be able to create a character who brings out, I think the my most favorite characteristics in a Hawaiian person, which is just a bubbly personality, super friendly, lots of fun, you know? Um, and so it, it, it was fun to be able to create that and have that come out on page. And I think it's so interesting because I feel like people really love him. Like they just love his personality. And honestly, like the, like the majority of the Hawaiian people that I know really like res like that, that's the personalities that I get from the ones that, you know, that the people I love. So it was fun to be able to write him. That's awesome. I love it. I love it. Okay. So basically Kakoa and Eleanor are the romantic leads in the story. And, um, it, the, the, the overview of the story insinuates that they have some trust issues. Yes. And so I wanted to talk a little bit about the concept of trusting people when you feel like somebody's betrayed you. How do you regain that trust? Mm-hmm. And so I'm going to leave you there with that question. We're going to take a quick break and then we're going to come back and we're going to talk the deep depths of how to recover from betrayal and learn to trust again. Okay. Sounds good. Are you enjoying today's broadcast with our featured author? You can find out more about them and other authors from Baker Publishing Group at bakerbookhouse.com. Use code MADLIT40 for 40% off any one Baker Publishing Group title at bakerbookhouse.com. This also includes Ravel and Bethany House Publishing. Go over fast. It's MADLIT40. That's your magic code for 40% off any one Baker Publishing Group title. All right, we're back with Natalie Walters and her book, Fatal Code, The Snap Agency from Ravel Publishing. Uh, I can't talk this morning. I need more coffee. Um, Okay, so where we left off, we were talking about trust and you have two characters, Eleanor and Kekoa. And um, it says here that Eleanor learns he's been spying on her Mm -hmm. and she's crushed. But with danger closing in on all sides, she'll have to trust him to ensure her discoveries stay out of enemy hands. That's kind of a big, a big ask. Yes. Yeah. So what was your thought process when you wrote that? I mean, from betrayal to trust, how so do we get I, there? I think what's interesting is I think sometimes people assume that trust issues happen because somebody on like an external source has betrayed them or whatever. And in Eleanor's case, that is, that is somewhat true. Her, her trust issues are trusting that somebody is going to stick with her to the end. And her trust issues come through her parents who have 
sort of demonstrated that they, while they love her, they have other expectations on their lives that they find a priority over her. And so for her, she finds that she doesn't have that priority in their lives. So why would she have the priority in anybody else's lives? So her trust issue, when it comes to when it, she finds out that this, you know, Keikoa, who she like is friends with now, and then learns the truth behind his, what, she, you know, his friendship, she all of a sudden now doubts everything she's ever known about why he's wanted to engage in her. So maybe she's not good enough to be his friend. Maybe it was a strictly like, you know, she had, a, there was a purpose in it, which is what stems with what's going on with her parents. Is she not good enough to, for them to stick around and parent her? Then obviously Keikoa is not going to be sticking around to really love her and be, you know, have that relationship with her. On Keikoa's side, his um, trust issues actually self-inflicted trust issues. So mm -hmm. okay. there's a, a situation that happened in his past that he failed himself. He failed a you know family member. And so he does not trust himself to be able to be what everybody else believes him to be. So when he's tasked to you know look after um, Eleanor and get some information or find out what she knows, in the danger part of that, he's also responsible to keep her safe. And he's like, I can't do that. I know myself. And so he's got to overcome his own issues in that, in that regards and saying like, you know, he's only capable of so much. And then you have to kind of release that and be able to say like, I can trust myself up to this, you know, degree. And then I have to allow God take mm -hmm. over and, and trust that God's going to carry the other part of it. It's not just on him to, to do. And, and also in that same regards with Keikoa, his team is constantly trying to reiterate to him that like, we're here, we're here to support mm -hmm. you and you can trust us to, uh, you know, to take care of what you can't. So there's that constant battle in his mind. If whether or not he, like, if he can trust them, what if they let him down? What if he lets himself down? What if God lets him down? And so it's kind of overcoming those moral dilemmas, personal dilemmas. Well, and I think that's such a, um, an apt topic to really deal with in fiction, even though, you know, a lot of us read nonfiction to try and address those situations in our lives. We can get those through fiction and the concept of trust is I was thinking the other day actually about trust and I was thinking, why is it so hard for people to trust? And it's because trust doesn't have a good track record. Right, right. Usually the inability to trust or the reticence to trust comes because of a past of repeated offenses where trust has been broken. Right. So, you know, as you mentioned with Kikoa and even Eleanor needing to have God kind of make up the deficit mm -hmm. in their trust, how have you as an author or as a person, or even in just writing the stories, how have you seen the Lord create an element of trust in your life or to help you with that? Oh gosh. I feel like, <laughs> I feel like every single time I write, I, I have to trust that. I mean, especially like this book, Fatal Code. And then the last book that I just turned in, I have really had to trust that like God is going to help carry me through because mm -hmm. I, I don't know. I mean, maybe there are authors out there who are totally confident in their ability and totally confident in their process. That's not me. I'm not that person. I struggle every single day when I look at my manuscript and I'm like, 
okay, how do I do this? I don't know how to write. I don't know what I need to say. And it's handing it over to the Lord in a way that says, okay, I'm going to do the work and I'm going to trust that God is going to make the words that I need to have come out, the theme that needs to come out, come out, that the process will get done the way that it's supposed to get done. And that at the end of the day, what is completed is what the Lord had intended all along. Mm -hmm. And then I have to trust when I hand it over that it will reach readers in a way that he only, only he can do. Like I, I I will tell you, I've had two, um, this is, and this is not for me at all, but I had two readers who have already read early copies of this reach out to me and talk to me about, um, what Keikoa is going through and how it resonated with them. Mm -hmm. And I, and I immediately told them, I was like, because I have no experience with what happened in that particular scene of the story. And so mm-hmm. I, I, I was like, that's not me, that's God, because mm-hmm. only God knew to reach you in that way with those words and this story, because I, I could never imagine, I could never know that. And so um, I think for, for me, it's constantly like, it's just a trust issue to say like, okay, I'm going to sit here and I'm going to write and I'm going to do what I need to do. And funny enough, I am going through a commentary reading of the Bible and I'm in Exodus right now, mm-hmm. which is when God is bringing the Israelites, you know, great book. The wilderness, right. Yeah. And how it's kind of annoying when you're reading it, like you're reading it and you're like, okay, he just parted the Red Sea, but now you don't trust him to feed you. Like, oh, he just brought manna down from the sky and you don't trust him to give you water. Like, are you nuts? Like, what more like, do you need? Right. Like, how do you do that? But that is human life, right? That's yes. human nature and how we constantly are doubting. And so um, it's always interesting how like, you're like, okay, when you're in the moment or when God brings you out, you're like, oh yeah, I trusted God. But like, when you get hit with that crisis, like you're, you're like, I can't, I can't, I don't, I, and you forget all of the reasons why you trust. And I think even with this story, I, I hope that it resonates that like, even though we're in hard times or we're in difficult times, if we look back and really look at what God has carried us through, it reminds us to trust. It reminds Mm. us to do that. And it's not easy. And I think that's where we, you know, we need the Holy spirit to carry us through that. But that's literally how I look at it when I'm writing, I'm like, okay, God has got me through five books. He's going to get me through the sixth book. I don't know what the future holds, but God's not telling me to go and gather manna for tomorrow. He's saying, here's your manna for today, sit down and write, and I will carry you through the rest. Just trust me. So that's all I can do. Well, and you know, it's so cool because God has an unfailing track record. So I fail myself. I don't really trust myself. Other people have more than failed me. Um, So trusting others can be a struggle. And it is kind of funny too, because I I remember reading through Exodus thinking, what a bunch of morons. I mean, let's (laughs) be honest. I'm like, he parts the Red Sea. He sends down pillars of fire. Every day you have manna. Like, what more do you need? It's not like God does those types of things today. And yet, and yet when I sit and I look back at my life, there are some really stark things. And I think sometimes because of, you know, whether it's technology has evolved to a point where we're not surprised anymore, or we're desensitized to the amazingness of things. I think sometimes we can talk ourselves out of the amazingness of what God has done. Right. Right. And I also think that sometimes we try to human humanize God. Yeah. Like we don't trust people. So we, and we, and I don't know. And again, it's like, what kind of just like what you said, we've desensitized ourselves to the awe of who 
God is, right? Yeah. And so because we don't have that awe, we put him in this like human level. Well, if people mm -hmm. can fail us, God can fail us. Right. But God is not human. God is mm -hmm. like supreme and sovereign. And I think like once we, I, we have to sometimes remember that, like you go back into the Bible where they're like honoring God and like saying like, he is like, this is not like, this is, this is beyond human that this you and he right. and like you said he has a track record of never failing us and yeah. so we have to understand like I think when we start to think like okay God's gonna fail us we need to remember that God is not human and mm -hmm. so we have to stop putting him in that in that bracket you know and right. I think I think it is it's just a desensitize desensitization yeah you got it got okay. it girl all right there you go but yeah snap snap <laughs> I write the words. You write the words. Can't and we the make them up when we don't know what to write. <laughs> Google, what does this word mean? Oh, I've done that many times. It's kind of mm. sad. I put some really weird words into places they do not belong. But oh, anyway. I've made up words. Like made oh, yeah. up words. And yeah. I'm like, is that a word? That should be a word. It Why sounds isn't cool. It <laughs> well, awesome. I love it. And I love that when we read your books, not only do we get exciting story, but we also get um, some practical application in between yeah. the pages. So for readers who want to get to know you want to get to know your books or readers who already follow you, but just want to, you know, follow you more. Stalk me. Stalk you. Please don't. That's just so creepy. Right. Um, <laughs> but you can stalk online. Yeah. That's fine. That's fine. <laughs> um, how do, how do readers get to, to find out more about you? Okay. Well, I love hanging out on Instagram. So you can definitely find me there. Natalie Walters writer is my Instagram handle. I think there might be a comma in there. I'm not, or maybe an underscore. I'm not really even sure. Um, and then of course on Facebook, Natalie Walters writer, but if you want to get a quick and easy access to those places on social media, you can get a hold of me at www.nataliewalterswriter.com. And there's just a real quick link button. Click on that. Follow me there. Clicky clicky. That's what we're going to do. Natalie Walters writer dot com. Yes. I love it. Well, I'm really glad to have you here and I'm really glad to shoot the breeze with you on a podcast yeah. and, um, we'll have you back. Cause I think you have another release coming later yeah. this year. No. Oh thought. yeah. Oh yes, I do. We have a novella collection coming mm -hmm. out with Lynette Eason and Lynn Blackburn. That's going right. to be exciting. Right. Yeah. So we can maybe, maybe we should get the three of you on here. That oh, would be fun. Yeah. We'll do, we'll do a big interview on the podcast maybe later this year. We'll see what we can do. So nothing, nothing better than having three people who write about death, killing and, you know, right. I don't know how inspiring that podcast would be, but we can, you know, we can try. <laughs> we can make, we can make, we can try to it. dive deeper into <laughs> murder. That's all right. <laughs> well, Natalie, thanks so much for being with us today. And um, I hope you have wonderful success with this book and everybody rush out to get it. Um, if you missed it in the middle, there is a code you can use MADLIT40, M-A-D-L-I-T-4-D, to um, order Natalie's book from bakerbookhouse.com. Thanks. Bye. Are you a writer wanting to go deeper in your writing and get to the heart of your story? Join Christy Award-winning author Jamie Jo Wright at MadLitMentoring.com, where she will take you on an intimate, fun, and exploration of going deeper, the layers of your story, the four corners of foundation, and more. Find out how to be mentored by Jamie Jo Wright at MadLitMentoring.com.
Thank you for listening to Madlit Musings. You can find out more information about Madlit and all that it has to offer at madlitmentoring.com. That's madlitmentoring.com. Or check out more about Jamie Jo Wright at jamiewrightbooks.com.